there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you're listening to fox sports radio oh what is going on everybody on this championship (laughs) sunday eve right here we are raring to go you know what i've got two melt your mind stats about championship sunday to get us started here huh let's start with the nfc and good morning gentlemen how about this the 49ers they have gone 21 straight seasons either missing the playoffs entirely or making at least the NFC Championship game. <laughs> that blows my mind. 21 <laughs> straight seasons. Either you're not even in the dance or you're at least a game away from the Super Bowl. That's, That's pretty wild. That for, Yeah, to lead us off this morning, it's it's boomer bust. You know what I mean? It's, it's all or nothing, basically. It's a very strange statistic to have. And I don't know what exactly it says to me. I don't know if it quantifies anything, but that is interesting as all get out. I didn't know that. I did not know that either, but it doesn't surprise me if you think about what the Niners have been. I mean, they like they, they really have been kind of, I don't want to say like a juggernaut, but like it kind of reminds me of that Eagles run, you know, with the Andy Reid McNabb stuff. Like they were in the NFC Championship game five times, I think. I might be wrong on that. Five times in like a 10-year, 15-year stretch, somewhere in that range? Yeah, it's uh, – I forget. I want to say Andy was there at least four times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, so. think they were, I think they went to the I – think I think what it was is they won the NFC Championship game once, and then they lost four other times. But they were there a lot. Yeah, they were there a lot. We'll, we'll verify that. But you might be right about that, Jared. Here's another – Melt your mind slash face stat (laughs) as far as the AFC goes. I find this to be pretty crazy. So this will be the first AFC title game in Baltimore since January of 1971. Yeah, that's wild. Right, wasn't it the Colts? That's pretty crazy, right? It was the Baltimore Colts. And then we had a little 12-year hiatus where they turned into the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) But we're talking about... 12 seasons as the Baltimore Colts since that 71 title game, right? And then there were 28 seasons as the Baltimore Ravens. So we're talking 
it's taken 40 seasons for the city of Baltimore to have another AFC title game in that city. And think about this. They won two Super Bowls in that span, but there's just no AFC title game in Baltimore. And to take it one step further, their opponent, the Chiefs, they've hosted the last five AFC championship game. So it's pretty crazy. It's taken 40 seasons for the city of Baltimore to host host another AFC title game. Yeah, and when you look at this playoff field, the four remaining teams, and especially how it shakes out who has to play who, the home field advantage for Baltimore, it feels obscenely important. Because I think even if the Niners were on the road, they would be pretty large favorites, you know, in Detroit. As difficult of a place as that is to play, by the way, and we've talked about this on this show. I've I've played at Ford Field. It gets loud in there. Uh, it, it, when that team's good, uh, you could argue it could rival Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. It's it's that type of environment. Or like Houston, when Houston has a decent team, that that. Uh, uh, energy or whatever they're calling it now uh, field down there in Houston that gets loud as heck so I mean this is the type of environment that you would assume would really help a team like the Lions if they were playing home but I think San Francisco is so good it has less of an impact on that matchup but Baltimore and Kansas City it really feels like splitting hairs who's going to win this game so you really do swing the spread based on where this game landed. Uh, if if it were in Kansas City, maybe it's closer to a pick'em. Uh, if the fact that it's in Baltimore, it really does aid the Ravens. Yeah, if you just want to do the math, right? We're giving about let's call it on average one and a half points for home field advantage. So sure. the Niners are a seven point. Let's call it seven and a half because they're kind of trending towards seven and a half. So if you take away that point and a half for home field, you would probably be looking at a six-point game on a neutral. And then if you move the game to Detroit, you add one and a half to Detroit's uh, uh, spread, and, and you'd get to probably four or four and a half on the Lions. So if the if this game was played in Detroit, Niners are probably about a four, four and a half point favorite. For the Chiefs-Ravens one, it's interesting because it's moving around the three, right? Of all the, of all the numbers that a game could possibly land on, three is about 10% of the time, by far the most landed on number. That's why we call it the keyest of all numbers, three and seven being the most key. For the Ravens, I would say it probably would be maybe a one-point favorite, but the irony with this thing is, guys, that if this game was played like four weeks ago, I think the Ravens would be at home like almost a touchdown favorite. Like I, I think I think we are paying a pretty sh- severe Mahomes playoff tax in this game, and that's why you've seen this number get wider throughout the week, right? Like it opened at three, and we've seen three and a half, and now we're seeing fours, and even maybe a four and a half could pop up in the market. I think before tomorrow, and it's twofold, right? Like it's it's. The Chiefs have some injuries and stuff like that. But I think overall, the, the professional betters are looking at this number and they're like, man, like the Ravens should probably be like a five or a six point favorite at home in this game. But they're not because it's Mahomes on the other side and they're giving a lot of respect to him. So I, I, I think for the Baltimore side, you can make a case that this line should be a lot wider. For the Lions-Niners game, I, I think that number's fair. And I, I think if San Francisco plays their game, I think it'll be a pretty one-sided affair. Okay, let me uh, segue from a melt-your-mind bundle of stats to a melt-your-face question, okay? I like this. Here's the question. What is your biggest takeaway from last week's games 
that could impact this week's games, right? And I think of it like this. I look at the Chiefs' defense, which played pretty well last week against the Bills. This is crazy to me. So the Bills had 31 more offensive plays than the Chiefs and gained seven more yards. Think about that. That's that's a lot of plays and not a lot of yardage. So it speaks to what Mahomes and company were able to do when they had the ball, and it shows that defensively the Chiefs played pretty well, all things considered. The one thing they didn't do a very good job of was trying to limit Josh Allen's effectiveness running the ball. He had 12 carries for 72 yards and two touchdowns. So as good as the Chiefs played defensively last week, they didn't do a great job slowing down Josh Allen and as it pertains to Lamar Jackson and what he did last week, 100 yards against the Texans on the ground, and we know what he's done all season and throughout his career. So that, to me, is one of my biggest questions about the Chiefs' defense. They played really well, but the one thing they didn't do a great job of is something that could completely bite them in the butt against the Ravens and Lamar's running ability. I, I would say the the one aspect of the weekend last weekend that I think is going to have the biggest impact this week would be Debo Samuel's injury. Now, we don't know how severe it is. It's always tight-lipped in the playoffs. Uh, we do know that he was practicing. We saw some practice film. But running running routes on air or you know running routes at practice where you know that if you lose Debo for this game, uh, your your playoff hopes are are somewhat in jeopardy as a result of not having him in the game plan. So I'm sure he took zero hits this week. I'm sure he they bubble wrapped him when he was on the field. They might have even given him a red jersey. I've seen that sometimes on players coming back from injury during practice to make sure that everybody remembers hands off this guy. But if you don't have Debo Samuel, the 49ers offense changes a great deal, and we saw that midseason during that three-game losing streak for the Niners because that was the biggest injury. That was the most key of the injuries. You saw Trent Williams get banged up, but Debo Samuel was really the only skill position player who was off the field that entire stretch, and Brock Purdy struggled, and he struggled for two reasons. One, you don't have one of your best passing threats on the field, and so obviously when you're in trouble, throwing it to Debo is an answer to the trouble you're in. But but the other part of it is not having him tilting the field toward him. When you have such a threat on the field, the defense has to respect that threat. Are we going to double him? Uh, are, are we going to put our best coverage guy on him? You know, that makes other opportunities for other guys on the field like George Kittle, like Christian McCaffrey, you know, so like Brandon Ayuk. So I think that's the biggest thing from last week in terms of a carryover effect into this week. I agree 100%. Um, Debo on the field is massive. I, I think if I had to guess, and we'll get into this more during the game when we break down the game, if I had to guess, he's on the field a lot as a decoy just to get the Lions into their nickel coverage. And that's a tease. I'll tell you why that the Lions, if you're a Niners fan, you want the Lions in in their nickel coverage. Um, Again, when we break down this game a little later in the show. I I think for me, um, I'll go big picture, guys. I I think we're not appreciating this Ravens team enough. I, I honestly think if they're able to get past the boss man tomorrow, Mr. Mahomes, I th- and then win the Super Bowl next week. I thought they were weeks. playing Don Martin or something. <laughs> <laughs> My man. Radio man. joke, sorry. Man, admit yeah. the legend. Um, 
I, I think we might end up viewing this Ravens team now. It's not as pretty on the eyes as we normally like when we're you, when we're thinking about like elite teams of all time. Like we don't, we're not probably not going to think about this Ravens team, but we should because dating back to 1981, like this is a long time, right? The DVOA numbers, which are kind of viewed as like industry standard for like efficiency, peak efficiency. They have the, the Ravens, this year's Ravens through the divisional round have the highest weighted DVOA of any team since 1981, more than the 85 bears higher than the 96 Packers with Brett Favre. I mean, we are talking about, in terms of efficiency, analytics, arguably the greatest team of our generation, if they're able to, you know, you have to win the Super Bowl, right? It doesn't matter if you don't win the Super Bowl. Um, 10 of the 14 teams on this list have won the Super Bowl. The highest ranked team that didn't win it was the 2020 Bills, who were defeated by Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. So there is a bit of a history here, I think, with the Ravens. If they are able to get past what I consider to be like the great, you know, boss man of, 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 the, of the AFC right now, um, and they're able to win the Super Bowl in two weeks, they, in, in analytical, you know, view, will go down as one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. The Ravens, they're the first team in NFL history that led the league in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways. Like, that's historical defense right there. And it isn't just in today's game and it's kind of grading on a curve. They allowed 16.5 points per game. 16.5 is, is really low in an era like today. And uh, then they sack you, and they also take the ball away the most. Like That's, that's a lot of stuff right there. Uh, and they have Lamar, who's probably going to be a two-time MVP when it's all said and done. So, yeah. Chiefs have their work cut out for themselves. Hey, BetMGM has all the action for every sports fan. Whether you love to wager on game-winning touchdowns, home runs, buzzer beaters, or overtime goals, there's never been a better time to sign up. Place your first bet at the sportsbook of BetMGM huh? through the BetMGM app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com and use code COUNTDOWN. We are off and running. We've got Rich Jornberger, Penn State All-American, Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. He's riding with the Ravens again. Shocker after they were Worked able to last week. decimate the Texans, you know? I, I get it. I get it. We'll be knee-deep into these matchups coming up next we shift our focus to this, though. We'll read you a sentence that I still can't believe is real. That is up next. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Earn a $100 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $100 bonus. BetMGM is offering some of the best odds of the market on touchdown props. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, the king of parlays. Okay, so this is a real sentence. The Atlanta Falcons have chosen... Raheem Morris to be their next head coach over Bill Belichick. That is a real thing where Bill Belichick, who is in striking distance of winning more games than Don Shula for the most wins ever as a head coach in the history of the NFL, has six rings as a head coach. He got the cold shoulder for a guy that in the NFL as a head coach, his record is 17-31. and That's Raheem Morris. I'm not saying he's that guy going forward, but that's his resume to date. And the Falcons said, we'll take him over the GOAT. (laughs) And it looks like Belichick is going to get shut out as far as this coaching merry-go-round goes, and he might have to wait until next season. That's crazy, but here we are. Yeah, it is the ultimate proof that this is what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league. Um, I think it's odd. I think it's uh, it's a little bit maybe on Belichick. Somebody actually said this to me yesterday, and I forget who I was talking to, but somebody said, hey, you know, maybe this is one of those things where Bill kind of forgot how to interview. You know, like it's when a guy gets divorced and he's on the scene for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and I know that very unfortunately. Well, that listen, is a real a lot life of our, example for me. A, a lot of our listeners do too. You know, you're stuck in a relationship, whether you're married or not. Everybody has had that experience where you're in a relationship and then it ends. And then you're like, wait, how do I do this again? You know, for the ladies, you know, how do I approach a guy? I'm interested in without coming off weird you know for a guy it's like you know am I coming off too strong yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah I mean in, in fact I mean the, the sometimes your weirdness is your charm and you have to sort of recapture that and there is something about 
being charming that a, a candidate needs to embody. Like yeah. it is a little bit like dating when you're going in for a job interview. You you do have to be a little bashful and you know maybe play a little hard to get or maybe not come on too strong or or maybe allow the other person to talk even though you're not all that interested in what they have to say. Like there there's that give and take that perhaps Belichick has forgotten about, you know, and and I could see this situation being like, well, you know, I want to go coach in Atlanta and I've made up my mind. And so I'm just waiting for them to come to their senses because I told them what I wanted in terms of my salary structure and in terms of uh, my coaching staff and in terms of the amount of control and power I wanted to have in this relationship. And you know what? I'll just cross my arms over here and I'll wait for them to call me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Raheem Morris walked in and blew the doors off the place because he's been there. He knows how to talk to those people. You know, he's he's coached with the Atlanta Falcons before. He's been a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons before as an interim. But they said to themselves, hey, wait a minute. We forgot how great this guy is. And we were sitting here talking to Bill Belichick, and he was expecting us to pick up the tab on this nice dinner we were having. You know what, Raheem? You're our guy. And all of a sudden, Bill Belichick's left kind of uh, looking around the bar like, hey, did she say if she was coming back? <laughs> I love the, the dating references are just, it's it really does hit close to home, guys. Um, <laughs> let's just leave it at this. And this is maybe advice for Bill, someone who has been there before, right, with this second turn. Um, you can't use the same tactics you used the first time around because you're going to pick up the same type of women. And you're going to make the same mistake. Um, let's just call it what it is. Raheem Morris is a better fit for the Falcons than Bill Belichick. Like, like, period, end of story. All of the accolades that Bill has racked up, I mean, good for him. Like, he's had an unbelievable career. He's 71 years old. Like, the Falcons need a guy that's going to come in there and do what Dan Campbell did, change the culture. I don't know if Bill's the right fit for that. I think Bill is the culture, and you have to adapt to him. I don't think that's the right fit for the Falcons right now. I think the right fit for the Falcons is a guy that's been a head coach before. It's been like 10 years since then. He has been to, I mean, you want to talk about the stops since Raheem Morris has been a head coach. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Like, the defense was the reason why they won that Super Bowl down the stretch. I mean, they were unbelievable. Floyd, Miller, and Donald. I mean, then you, you now take the, the next step further where you're back in the head coaching circle and you got guys like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay that are calling up the owner and saying, man, like we need to hire this guy. Whereas Bill's just kind of like, all right, I've got all the rings. Who wants to hire me? Like that's not the right attitude to be a leader of men in the NFL. Like, again, I'm not one of those guys. Rich has been. He could speak to it. He played for Bill. But I think what was best for the Falcons right now was to get a guy in there that really wants to change the culture and isn't going to take all the power and just kind of be this monger at the top of the CEO food chain. Like, it just didn't make sense. And I think Raheem Morris deserves the shot, and I'm glad he got it. Well, I think a couple of things here. It's a little bit like the Falcons looking for their next quarterback. Right. Think about that as it relates to them when they were looking for their next coach, where ideally you'd like to draft a guy who's going to be your guy for the next 10 to 15 years. That's ideal. But that's 
easier said than done. Where if you look at a guy like, say, Kirk Cousins, that was the rumor. It might be Kirk Cousins and Belichick. Kirk Cousins might be really good in the short term, but due to his age, he's not going to be there for too long. But that still could put your franchise in a better spot than going the, you know, pie-in-the-sky young quarterback route that might not pan out. That's how I look at Raheem Morris. Yeah, the thought is he's younger. He's 47. So if this guy pops, he he could be our guy for a long, long time. But I, I look at Belichick, and I think about their last head coach, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was there for three years. Raheem Morris might only be there for three years. That's where he was in Tampa when he was seven and uh, 17 and 31, you know? I just think that in betting, I'll bring it back to this. Sometimes it's so sharp, it's actually dumb. Hmm. That's what I think about this hire where I, I had like the, a, a quote-unquote sharp play one week when I took the LSU quarterback, Jaden Daniels, his under-rushing yardage. And it's like, whoa, that's a sharp play. Yeah, until he had like a buck 15 and it's <laughs> no longer sharp at all. Like, that's how I think about, ooh, Raheem Morris. Well, that, that's kind of the wild card. Yeah, I could see. I could, you start talking yourself into it. That is the sharp move. I think over time it's going to pan out to be dumb. You passed on the GOAT for Raheem Morris, who's 14 games under 500 with Tampa. And if you throw in the interim days with Atlanta at 4-7, and seven, he's 21-38. and 38. As an NFL head coach, he's winning 35% of his games. Yeah. 35%. That's, it's crazy to me. I I think Atlanta made one really large misstep and it's not their fault because they really, I think, were interested in Bill Belichick and what he had to say and what he was going to do with this franchise, but it didn't work out in this interview process for whatever reason. The, the And reportedly, it's because they wanted a more longer-term fit than Bill Belichick maybe was willing to offer, whatever that means. Here's, here's my thought process, though. The fact that you got so far down the road with Bill Belichick before abruptly pausing that interest and then steering toward Raheem Morris, it now, it now begs comparison. Now there's going to be Falcons fans and analysts around the NFL going, yeah. well, how much better would the Falcons have been after the 2024 season comes to an end if they struggle this upcoming season, which potentially they could, right. if, if, it were, if it were Bill Belichick coaching instead of Morris coaching. And so that's the unfortunate reality for the Falcons. They have now set themselves up for comparison, especially if Bill takes one of the other two coaching spots remaining, has some success. You know, they're going to be Atlanta fans who are pissed if he's having success elsewhere and they're struggling with Raheem Morris. I don't think Bill's going to get a job coaching this year. Like, the odds are pretty are stacked pretty high against it. Granted, the odds are pretty high that he was going to get this Falcons job. And I think that just shows the, uh, the inconsistencies with booking a market that there's really no, like, there's no way to book this market. Like, it's really hard to set odds on, on, on these coaches going to these places. I... I hope Raheem does well. I I think you're right, Rich. I think if he doesn't do well, you're going to hear a lot of, well, Bill would have done this. Yep. Um, And that's unfortunate for Raheem. He doesn't deserve that. I I, I don't know what his – like, I've never been a fan of hiring defensive-minded head coaches. Like, I'm personally under the – I would rather have an offensive guy kind of running the show. I think their minds work a little bit differently. They're a little bit less conservative in certain spots. Um, So we'll see how Raheem handles a lot of those 
intricacies, the little nuances of the game that sometimes can move a little fast for the rookie or the you know the first time, the first you know you know second, basically a second year head coach. Um, I, I think I'm happy for Raheem. I think it was the right fit. I don't think Bill Belichick would have succeeded in Atlanta. I think he would have lasted. Like, if, if we're worried about Raheem Morris lasting three years, like, how long do you think Bill would have really lasted? Like, I, I think two years probably would have been the max there. He's, he's 71 years old. Mm. Um, and I just, I, I think it's a good fit. Now, we'll see if it ends up working out. But I, I do think the move was, like, I, I think eventually Arthur got some advice, Arthur Blank, the owner, that if you go down the Belichick road, you better be prepared to give up everything. And, and he actually, they made a move this week, and they moved one of their presidents to like a different division because they're worried that future coaches that want to come in and take full power will be a little bit I think his name is McKay I forget his first name he was like the president of the team that was kind of the organizational move they were worried about so there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the power structure that can get kind of thrown off with these hires but I do think for what the Falcons needed right now I think Raheem Morris better suits that two years max for Belichick yeah guys he's 71 I, I completely disagree with you. Could not. How long is he coaching, Brian? I, I past two years max. <laughs> he's not. He, he, I, I don't so, think he so would have been So if he gets shut out, which he most likely years. will, and he's back in the NFL next year, you think that he's one and done? No, right? I didn't say that. I said two. I said I know, years. right? So two years. If he if he got the coaching job this year, then two he's years. got this year and next year. So if he shut two out years. this year, he's one and done next year. Two years. That, that, no, two. No, I didn't say one and done. I said two years. Right. Two years. Right. It's not one, that's two. You're, you're not listening to me. So if he's a head coach now, <laughs> he's th- this year and next year. So if he's not coaching this year. that's not one and done. Right? <laughs> that's two so, years. So that, that leaves one year. That, I, that's, that's two. You said one and done. That one means he would have been fired this year. One I, and done. Right. I, if the two years begins this year. But it doesn't. He's not so getting the, hired So the two this years year. then begins the next year. So I don't know what why, we're arguing why, about, but why, sure. Why, why it would be two It'd be three, right? No? Let's, let's bring it back to, like, the bar scene where Belichick is a single divorced man and yeah. uh, the Falcons are trying to swoon him. I'm curious what drink he orders. Like, wh- what kind of vibe is he trying? Is he a martini man? You know, is he saying, you know, hey, you know, just give me a, a straight up. A Bill is a martini. beer or whiskey guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, 100. I've never saw him drink. As a matter of fact. Yeah, what had- did he drink? You know him. See, you give the best contacts. You've actually uh-huh. met him. We had one opportunity to party with Bill while uh-huh. With the team, Wish. it was when Randy Moss invited him to a Halloween party that he threw at a United States of America. <laughs> it was one of That's the awesome. funniest things I've ever been involved in because Belichick showed up with his girlfriend at the time, completely dressed in full pirates regalia, like he showed up as a a, a, a pirate, like wearing like. It looked like a $500 costume. Like, this guy went to the hilt. And his girlfriend, too. Like, with the, you know, like, everything. With, like, the bustier and everything. It was the craziest thing. And then, you know, he's walking up to you wearing an eye patch. And he's like, hey, Rich, you know, how's it going? And I'm just like, good, coach. Hey, how are you? How's everything? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I didn't see what he was drinking, though. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know about uh, Ilo. I could see him wearing an eye patch. I could see that. And uh, I, I don't know what his beverage of choice is, but he might enlighten us right here. He's got uh, some information for us around the sporting landscape and uh, a little bit of uh, history with his own personal background. I low with the latest. What's going on here, my friend? Would you believe we actually have audio of Randy Moss 
inviting Bill Belichick oh, no. to that Halloween party <laughs> back in 2009. You want to hear it? Yeah. Here we go. We're trying to, from a team standpoint, we're trying to have a Halloween party. So, so you're not interested in that, are you? In what? Halloween party. Well, this is what it is. We are okay, dressed as the devil. No, that's what we're doing. This is, well, hey, you'll get, you might win the damn prize. <laughs> Trying to, you know, get us a little DJ, get us a roller rink, and you know, have so have us a good night. But like I said, you're more than welcome or whatnot. I'm sure, if you invite the coaches, they'll all be there. You think they would? Okay. But if you don't want them, no, 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 no. It's the opposite because it's like, for instance, Halloween. I mean, we don't go out no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But we still have that. It's a great holiday. Yeah. Nothing like two of the greatest of all time (laughs) discussing the merits of Halloween. That's how it sounded back in 2009. Fellas, we begin in the NBA, and to paraphrase Casey Stengel, can't anybody here play defense? Because on Friday night, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks scored 73 points in a 148-143 win at Atlanta, tying Wilt Chamberlain and David Thompson for the fourth highest scoring game in NBA history. Also Friday night, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns scored 62 points in a 133-131 loss at Indiana. It's the fifth time in NBA history that two players have scored 60-plus on the same day Two of those five happened this week. Back on Monday, Joel Embiid of the Sixers dropped 70. Carl Anthony Towns of the Timberwolves scored 62. Also Friday night, the Cleveland Cavaliers wanted Milwaukee 112-100. The Cavs have won 9 of 10. ESPN reporting Doc Rivers expected to make his Milwaukee head coaching debut on Monday against Denver. Finally, fellas, in soccer, The Egyptian Football Association, in an effort to bring them more luck at the upcoming Africa Cup of Nations tournament, has sacrificed a cow. Mm. What? Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess technically Beef I do everyone. that every every uh, yeah. every night when I'm having a ribeye. So it's not so, as ridiculous. And, and to their credit, the Federation did distribute the meat from the slaughtered cow to needy people in Cairo. But uh, apparently they feel that that is going to bring them good luck at their upcoming tournament. We will be tracking the results closely. Back to you guys. No shortage of weird when it comes to soccer stories, man. You know, if we're like, we're a little low on our weird quota right here. Go to the soccer world. There's, yeah. there's going to be something there for you. We'll fill you up. Yeah, that's right. It is Fox Sports Radio's countdown to kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. If you miss anything on today's show, be sure to check it out. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to follow, rate, and review it. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your your podcasts. And you'll see the show posted right after we get off the air. Okay, uh, coming up, we got a two-for-one combo platter. We've got um, <laughs> some interesting uh, tidbits relating to a, uh, a gambling story gone wrong. Okay? And then we also have Jared Smith with his uh, parlay platter over here. And rumor has it, it is detailed. Okay? Oh, boy. 
It's all we're yeah, going to say. Yeah, I need to write right a right. script out, basically. I'm like Scorsese <laughs> over here. It, 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 is, it is detailed. It there, is. It's my longest ever. numerous checkpoints on this one, right? So we'll get to both of those stories right around the corner. We've got Rich Orenberger, Penn State All-American, Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No, A two-for-one combo gambling style coming at you right around the corner. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for things like free bets and risk-free tokens. They can also be converted to MGM rewards points that can be used towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts. Customers will have the chance to win a big game Las Vegas experience. Prizes include a three-night stay during Super Bowl weekend at a select MGM property, along with other prizes like entry to the BetMGM party and food and beverage credits. All right, let's do this. Check this out. Parlay Platter. Okay, Jared Smith has been hard at work, and uh, this is probably the most detailed parlay that you've thrown together, I believe. Is it not? It is. It is. It's a little more robust than uh, parlays past. But listen, slim pickings, guys. We only have two games. So I took one of the games that I think is going to be a blowout, and I tried to uh, slant the numbers uh, in my favor. A lot of these bets are correlated. So I think if one hits, it'll kind of be like a trigger uh, that sets off the other. But let's start with the first half. We're going to take the Niners in the first half to cover a six and a half point spread. We're going to take the Niners in the first half to exceed 14 and a half points, right? Those are pretty correlated. If the Niners cover six and a half in the first half, odds are they're probably going to go over 14 and a half with their team total for the full game. We're going to lay nine and a half points. We're going to sell two points with the Niners here. And they lay nine and a half and then take the team total to 30 and a half and bet the over. So, again, I think if they cover nine and a half for the game, odds are the Niners are also going over their team total. Uh, Brock Purdy, over 279 and a half passing yards. He's gone over this uh, in five of seven games at home this year. I think this is going to be a game where he's going to have a lot of success. I think all the Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Brock Purdy stuff is nonsense. They're going to be very aggressive against the Lions defense that struggles to stop the deep pass. So we're going to pair that with Brock Purdy. 40 or more yards for his longest completion, right? If he goes over 279 and a half passing yards, probably going to hit a long completion at some point of 40 yards or more. And then finally, we got to give you one Lions prop to really boost the odds, right? That's the non-correlated part of the parlay. So we'll go Jameer Gibbs over 44 and a half rushing yards. I think this is the matchup for the uh, Lions to take advantage of. The Niners been susceptible um, to the run at times this year. So Niners in the first half, minus six and a half. Niners team total over 14 and a half first half. Niners game minus nine and a half. Game over 30 and a half for the team total. Brock Purdy over 279 and a half passing yards. Brock Purdy 40 yards uh, longest pass. And Jameer Gibbs over 44 and a half rushing yards. Woo! It is 15 to 1. If wow. all of these things happen, seven leg parlay. Good luck. Godspeed. It's probably not hitting, but we're going to try anyways. <laughs> we don't have odds on uh, on the individual legs of the parlay. I'm guessing the longest odds are that Brock Pur- Purdy uh, 40 plus. Plus yard yeah. pass. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I could see it because there are definitely issues, as you alluded to, with the Detroit Lions secondary. So that's uh and some poor tackling at that. So that's uh that's gonna be tricky, but I like it. I like it. You gotta juice up them odds somehow. I like it a lot. Don't go hard on this, guys. Just a little yeah. baby sprinkle. Yeah. You just gave Chris Perfett, our technical I know. producer, indigestion. <laughs> I know. My goodness. Lions fan, Lions I'm podcaster, sorry. you know. 
Sorry, it's Chris, littered with San Fran overs right there. Uh, this does. It reminds me a little bit of Kayshawn Lee. Yeah. <laughs> right? So this Great is transition. the Patriots wide receiver. He was arrested on Thursday for illegal betting while he was a minor at LSU. And yeah. he allegedly placed 8,900 bets <laughs> in a little over a year span. Wild. Six of them involved his own team. I do love this. So of the 8,900 bets, 17 we're on college football games. That's it? That's all we got on college football? Okay. And then uh, he allegedly had a uh, an eight-leg parlay, huh? Where he had himself scoring <laughs> a touchdown and surpassing 82 and a half receiving yards against Florida State in 22. Wow. He ended up with two catches for 20 yards. No yeah, he didn't even get there. Dude no. bet on him. So, so we always there. say, oh, it's, you're, we're, we're going to fix the games. Even if they bet on themselves, it still doesn't guarantee you're going to get there. Yeah. No. No, and it did Man. not. So uh, 1-800-GAMBLER. Is, I'm, assuming he, uh, I'm assuming he was taking bets and he was taking action for yes. teammates yes, 100%. And, and people who – weren't um yeah so interested in taking the risk but we're we're definitely interested yep. in placing wagers so that's that i mean which by the way through their investigation if if that's found out that he was actually running um yeah. you know a, a betting house out of his right. dorm room or something that that's going to be even more trouble that he'll get into but again that's just speculation you know this this feels a little bit and fellas, I, I, I believe in personal accountability, but it's kind of like that that rule in law. It's called an attractive nuisance. Like if you leave a BB gun out on your front yard and some kid wanders onto your driveway and picks it up and accidentally, you know, shoots himself in the eye, like it, that can be the landowner's fault because yeah. children are inherently uh, curious and the, the law protects kids. And so... I mean, is there a little bit of that to this? I know he went out of his way as a minor to do this. He created an alias and all that. But is there a little bit of that here with the rules we're putting on gambling when it pertains to college athletes? Well, the thing is that he didn't really try that hard to create an alias. Like, when I was looking at the usernames, it was like, hey, Sean Booty 89. (laughs) Like, I'm not not even joking. I'm not even joking. Everyone knows I'm number 80 or whatever. (laughs) I'm not even joking. It's actually crazy. Here, actually, no, I, I found the tweet so while placing more than 800 bets while including some on his own team he used the username kayshawn booty 7 kayshawn booty 01 didn't even try to hide his use like it's basically like creating a burner and using your actual name like it's wild and 8900 bets guys put it in perspective in 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 a year-long time that's 24 wagers a day i do this for a living i don't get close to that like, that's a lot of weight. Like, to Rich's point, it has to be from other people. has to be. Yeah. I don't know. When you break it down per day, you can get there. You can. <laughs> you got to really. You got to hustle. Coming up next, this is the most <laughs> sensitive fan base in sports. Oh, what's going on? Happy Championship Sunday Eve to you as we ramp up toward the Final Four NFL style. I'll tell you this. As we look forward to this Lions-Niners matchup, I think this is the most sensitive fan base in sports. Ooh. It would be the Brock Purdy fan club. Ooh, yeah. I actually agree with this. I know somebody who's a big-time fan of the Niners, and 
some of the things that left his mouth this week, uh, it just <laughs> really. I mean, oh my gosh! It, Talk that trash, Rich. Let's go. I mean, well, here, Stir it up. Here's the crazy thing, and and I'm sorry for jumping all over you, Brian, but this one hits. The, this one I can plucks, tell it hit close to. Yeah, home, it's right a struck there. a yeah. nerve here. Yeah. It, it plucks all the right strings um, because I've been dealing with it all week long. <laughs> uh, Are we and, getting a name, or is this is an anonymous? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a sports talk radio show host in San Diego. I do a show called Big Rich TD and Fletch, and the third leg of the uh, the name there, Fletch. Ben Fletcher oh, is Fletch. an enormous, and I mean an enormous Niners fans, fan and Brock Purdy apologist. Now, <laughs> he doesn't need to apologize for much because Brock Purdy, and I'll admit this, and I've loved watching his ascension to a starting quarterback off the roster last year. Um, what he did in the postseason was beyond admirable until he hurt his elbow uh, last season. And then this year, to be frank, he played an awful game in the divisional round against the Green Bay Packers. However, he recovered well on that, that last drive. I think we can sort of, you know, very neatly in a couple of sentences describe his career as such. But the lengths that a 49ers fan will go to prove that Brock Purdy is the next coming of Tom Brady, you know, to anybody who says anything negative about him is it's ridiculous. It it's is. it's strange. It's beyond what it needs to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of analysts who have Brock Purdy painted as something he isn't, as something far worse than he actually is. And I think maybe that's a little bit of, hey, I'm trying to stir the pot because this guy's coming off his worst playoff appearance as a starting quarterback. Mind you, he's only appeared in what now? Three playoff games, so very short sample size. But it's uh, it, it's it's odd. It's odd to hear people so passionately uh, defend a guy who's barely played football at this level. I mean, he's mm. still in the infancy of his career. He's got a lot left to prove. He's shown a lot. He's shown a great deal, in fact. But he still has a lot left to prove before he gets the level of defense that some 49er fans want to put up for. Ooh. Go ahead, Brian. Get us back on track here. What I mean, think? listen, it, he's preaching to the choir right here because, yeah. it, it's, listen, it's one thing if you really do – Give him no credit whatsoever. And you're just taking shot after shot and maybe taking some unreasonable shots. Okay, that's one thing. But if you say something that's completely accurate, it should not be taken as if you just gave him double birds and you're giving him no credit whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. If you just simply say, he's got to play better for the Niners to win it all this season. That's true. 100%. He did not play well against the Packers. And like Rich said, give him credit for that final drive. He was six for seven. He showed up when it finally mattered most. Yeah. But that was not a good game. You remember when Nick Saban was ticked off after wins at Alabama? Where they'd yep. win by like 28 points and he would sound like he lost by 30. Because he knew that wasn't going to be good enough against better opponents. It's the same thing with Brock Purdy. He's got to step it up or they're not going to win at all. But if you say that, these Brock Purdy fanboys and fangirls, they come after your freaking jugular. They are crazy. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is they're just like, oh, you can check that box. Come back win. Done deal. 
It's like he's got one. <laughs> he's got one, albeit it was a significant one, but there's one. Why are we acting like he's John Elway? He's the comeback kid now. After one comeback win, it's just I got to see more. And I don't understand how that's just withholding all credit from the guy in the eyes of the Brock Purdy fan club. It's just it's gotten crazy where it's at now. Yeah, fan short for fanatic. I think that's kind of what we're talking about here because I, I I think if you ask a lot of reasonable NFL minds that have no dog in the fight they don't care if Brock Purdy's good or bad they're just analyzing what they see and, and the numbers that come across like Brock's one of those guys that the efficiency numbers will pop at times but then you watch him play and then you go watch like for example you watch the game with Brock Purdy facing Jordan Love and then imagine you just close your eyes and then reopen them, and then you're watching the Josh Allen Mahomes game. Like the level of quarterback play in that game, regardless of what the stats say, was so far advanced from what Jordan Love and Brock Purdy were doing. And it's not a knock on Brock or Jordan. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are like the gold standard of quarterbacking in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, two-time MVP, gold standard of efficiency, of getting the ball down the field without you stopping it, like in any way, shape, or form, arms, legs, all ways. Brock's just not that guy, and that's okay. It doesn't make him a bad quarterback. It just means he's limited by his physical restraints. And those physical upsides, those tools doesn't have as many tools in the toolbox as an Allen or a Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson does. Again, it doesn't mean he can't win a Super Bowl. doesn't mean he's not a perfect fit for the Niners offense, but he's not the MVP of the league. He never was. He never will be. And that's, and that's okay. Like, not everyone's going to be the MVP. Like, that's Mahomes. That's Josh Allen. That's Lamar Jackson. Brock Purdy, if he plays within the system and he does everything he has to do, he can look like an all-star quarterback, but the tools, the physical tools that really separate the greats, I just don't think Brock has it. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And uh, <laughs> He's going to play better this week, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do, yeah, because that, man, that Lions secondary, yeah, exactly. that's the thing, man. Is, it's a good matchup this week for him. Yeah. When you look at Cameron Sutton, this is like playing cornerback in the NFL. So he gets torched by Justin Jefferson. In week 18. Then he draws up Puka Nakua, who torches him in the wild card round. And then he's got a guard, Mike Evans, Oof. who torched him Ugh. in the divisional round. Now lovely. he's probably got Brandon Ayuk, which is like, good luck to you. But, man, Sutton, he is getting torched. Some of these routes, like Puka Nakua had a 50-yard touchdown catch. And it, it was just like this simple little double move. And Sutton was nowhere near Puka Nakua, like, that is a bad, bad matchup. That's why this Lions pass rush, it's, it's got to get home. You've got to put pressure on Brock yeah. Purdy or he's going to dice that secondary up. They're just not good enough. Well, and, and he's great against pressure also. Like, Brock Purdy, I think it's underrated his ability to understand ball placement on yep. deep routes, uh, his anticipation on some of his throws. It's It's – advanced beyond his years in the NFL. There are times where he's doing stuff 
that you watch it and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the type of thing that we saw a Tom Brady do year five as a starter in the league, and he's already doing it in year two. You know, there are certain blitz pickups that he's helping the offensive line with or hot reads on, you know, blitzes where the defense is bringing more bodies than your offense or, you know, your formation can block, and he's getting the ball out quickly to the right uh, pass catcher. He he does a lot right, and he plays extremely well within this system. And by the way, Tom Brady was labeled as a system quarterback yeah. for years, a half a decade before he started getting the respect that he quote-unquote deserved. But I also think that's respect that he earned. And that's the part of this conversation that I'm so confused about, is where where do people who watch football, and I consider a lot of the people I've heard from recently, you know, the Richard Shermans of the world, uh, and there have been many others, you know, his name comes to mind because of his ardent defense of Brock Purdy. It's like, where do you come off, you know, talking about a guy like he's earned it all at this level already, and he's barely, just barely played over one season in this league. I mean, he started halfway through the year last year. And I understand he played some postseason games too, but he's only been a full-time starter for just this season. Could we pump the brakes on welcoming him to Canton? But then, (laughs) on the other side of it, I get it. Yeah, it was a really crummy outing in the divisional round. And Jordan Love undoubtedly played a better game. He looked more poised. He looked like the lights weren't too bright for him. Brock Purdy was the exact opposite. And... If you have a bad weather quarterback, or if you have a a quarterback who can't play in bad weather, I got news for you. That's going to be a problem. That is going to be a problem for you. So he's got to figure that out if that's the case. But steering back to the point I was trying to make, like, it wasn't that bad. Like, so for anybody coming out against Brock Purdy, like, well, the Niners aren't going to win until they fix the Purdy problem. It's like, whoa, like the Niners wouldn't have even been in the playoffs last year if it weren't for Brock Purdy. You could probably make that argument this year, too. So we got to pump our brakes on both sides of this debate and let this thing bear out because I remember RG3 back in 2012 looked like he was going to take over the league and then within three years we were like well that was a bust you know <laughs> I and and there are guys who who are kind of on a, a slow simmer and they they heat up into the quarterback they're going to be in this league so I just say we don't have to hit the pause button, but we definitely got to take our finger off of rewind or fast forward and just let this thing play out. Brock's the perfect quarterback for this. I mean, it, it, he's perfect. Like, like, let's not try to ask him to do something that he can't do. In this particular case, I guess it's grip the ball in the wet weather. And, and that, that is a problem because, again, close your eyes and think about watching that Packers-Niners game. It yep. was a little wet, a little slippy, right? But it was, what, 50 degrees, 55 degrees, very light winds in Santa Clara. And then you close your eyes and you think about the Bills-Chiefs game, which was played in 10, 15-degree weather in 20-mile-an-hour gusts off the Lake Erie, uh, uh, you know, the, the crazy Buffalo, western New York weather. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are ripping it. The Chiefs averaged 10 yards per play. Every time the Chiefs snapped the ball in that game, they were getting a first down. Like, you just can't compare what Mahomes and these guys can do to a Brock Purdy. And again, it's not a knock on Brock. It's like saying the six foot five guy can dunk and you're mad that the guy that's 5'10 can't. Like, it just, he's gifted. And not all humans are gifted with the type of skills that the Mahomes and the Allens and the Lamar Jacksons are. And I think 
what Brock needs to do is get back to the bread and butter. Like, this is a Niners offense when they are in rhythm and executing their scheme, there aren't a lot better with the efficiency. And Brock is great at putting the ball where it needs to be at the exact right moment in the exact right spot. He won't have any weather or any wind to deal with. It's perfect, ideal conditions in Santa Clara Sunday. Granted, the weather could change in 24 hours, but right now we're seeing 70 70 degrees with like no wind, no weather, nothing. Like literally perfect conditions. And to Brian's point, you're facing a Lions defense that is kind of a sieve. And I was talking about getting Debo onto the field. So even if he's just a decoy, get him onto the field to get into 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Because when the Lions have to match that with their nickel, they are bottom five in almost every single passing metric I could find. Efficiency, success rate, explosive play rate. You get the Lions into their nickel coverage, you will have success throwing the ball down the field. It's just a matter of who's going to catch it. Maybe it's Kittle. Maybe it's Ayuk. Maybe it's Jennings. Maybe it is Debo. Maybe it's McCaffrey. Just get him in the nickel, and you're going to have success against this Lions defense. You know what's interesting to me? There is a twist right here. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but a lot of people think that the critics hold on to Brock Purdy being Mr. Irrelevant, right? The last pick of the draft. I actually think it's the Brock Purdy fan club that holds on to that more so. Hmm. Because there is a school of thought where, hey, if Brock Purdy is the number three overall pick like Trey Lance was, what are people saying? Are they knocking him as much? So maybe there's this feeling that you're shortchanging him because of where he's drafted. That, That could be the case from time to time. But the amount of support as if this is like, a mother hog and her piglets are getting picked <laughs> on. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of that traces back to him being Mr. Irrelevant. I think the fan club is more beholden to that. Where if you say he's got to pick it up or they're going to lose going forward, this is only his fourth playoff game. He's won every game he's finished. They come after you, man. I don't know that they'd be coming after you the same way. And really, just absolving him of any wrongdoing whatsoever, I think it traces directly back to him being the last pick of the draft. I uh, I Maybe. agree with you. I really yeah, do. I think it. that because Brock Purdy has outshined every single expectation for him at this level already, like being just merely competent he would outshine any expectation because it is really hard just to be competent at this league level when, I mean, just period. I'm just going to say, it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or if you're an undrafted free agent, it's difficult to be a competent football player in the NFL. So he's already overshined every expectation for him. So now he is being held by some to an unfair level of expectation. And unfortunately for deluded Niners fans out there, (laughs) they're going to take Brock Purdy and they're going to protect them like a mother hen or like like uh, like mom, hen. like mama pig, they're going to they, you know. I mean, like it really does. It feels like a barnyard fable out there because yeah. they're not letting anybody talk about their Brocky. And it's like, well, listen, Brock's a big boy. He's playing big boy sports now, and he's He'll been be doing fun. it on one of the best teams in the NFL. So let's uh, let's let's allow this to percolate a little bit and not jump to so many conclusions. But it is. I had no idea he was such a polarizing character oh, until man. Monday morning.
Well, we're getting a ton of tweets, all right? Like, I'm getting some tweets right now. You guys probably see them showing up in your, yeah. uh, in your mentions, too. Hey, listen, if you guys tweet us, we might read it on the air. So I'll read this one, and you guys can respond. And yeah. this is a good – this is a very valid question. Um, he's from Happy for Life on Twitter. Thank you for the question, pal. We're not claiming Purdy's the best quarterback in the league. We're pushing back on people who discredit his success by saying yeah. it's not because of him. Best QB stats in the NFL, two straight championship games. Starker, what else can he do? It, it, it's, it's not – him it's a team sport the Niners have the best team in the NFL and he is the perfect fit at quarterback it is the one situation I think in the NFL where the quarterback doesn't deserve all of the credit or the blame when his team loses and wins I think it's the one situation in the NFL at a high level right like the Niners are winning at a high level none of the other teams in the final four you can say this about Lamar Jackson I guess maybe you could talk a little bit about it with the Lions but they're more they're, they're more of a team too but Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes like let's be honest guys those teams are there because their quarterbacks are great and they're and they've got good defenses with the Niners their offense is like a team offense like all right. 11 guys have to be on the same page and if all of those things are happening Brock Purdy's the perfect trigger man. But you could put another, like if you put Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes on the Niners, they would probably be in the same spot. They probably would be. I'll give you you another one. Brian, answer this question. If Brock Purdy was the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, would the Chiefs be in the AFC Championship? No, No, they would not. That's the thing is, I don't know what it is about the Purdy fan club where they have so much in their favor. To make good arguments on the behalf of their boy Purdy, yeah, they're and winning. They always manage to royally step in it. <laughs> Where it's like, I don't know how they manage to do that every time. Uh, they don't recognize that the success is because of Brock Purdy. Re- do you really think that the Panthers, that the Patriots, they'd be doing what the Niners right. are doing if right. Purdy were there? What are you talking about? The Panthers might be worse, it. frankly. They, yeah. they, they actually might. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Hey, from live betting to player props, BetMGM has a variety of betting options at your fingertips. Place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager through the BetMGM app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com. And use code COUNTDOWN. All right, we've got Rich Ornberger here, Penn State All-American. That was therapeutic. Man, I'm glad we're on the same side. I couldn't take if we're on the different sides of the party. This one's pretty obvious, I think, Bino. We've got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, our main man, Seamus McGee from BetMGM. He'll let you know who the Sharps are on, what the public plays are, all that good stuff. And he'll have a, a Seamus special, as I know you're waiting for. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. BetMGM is now available. Under one wallet in select states, for example, if you're in the DMV area, no need to worry about making separate accounts for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. When crossing state borders, simply just log into your existing account instead of creating a new one. Be sure to follow BetMGM across all socials at BetMGM. All right, let's do this. Follow the money. Real good money. Uh, We welcome in Seamus McGee, team lead of sports trading at BetMGM. Good morning, Seamus. We missed our Seamus fix last week, so I, I, I'm waiting to hear all of your championship Sunday nuggets here. What, what's something that stands out most to you? I want to give you a blank canvas where the sharp money is, any line move, anything that hits the Seamus radar for you. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to ton of sharp money coming in so far this week. Uh, I mean, we've really set three, three and a half on that Chiefs-Ravens uh, uh, game. And then between seven, seven and a half on this, uh, this Niners-Lions game. And uh, it's uh, a lot of money coming in on the Ravens minus three, people buying the half point. And, uh, we're, I mean, we're going to need the Niners um, in the game. But it's a tricky wow. spot for us because the Niners are our worst liability for the Super Bowl. But, again, if you think the Lions win this game, I could easily see the Lions fans just jumping all over them if they get there. Um, so it's we're rooting, we're rooting for an AFC team to win the Super Bowl long term. But uh, I think for the for the most part, Lions a Niners covering seven and a half and Chiefs plus three and a half are our best results right now. Interesting, because it, it, and you know if you look at some of the broader markets, you know we saw four and a half even pop up with the Ravens yesterday, and now that's been bought back down to four. So it does look like four is kind of the stopping point here, Seamus. Do you expect you know MGM? You guys have been one of the few um, holdovers at three and a half. Do you think tomorrow this line closes four, or are, are you pretty confident that um, you know the Chiefs' money is significant enough for you to stay three and a half? We haven't seen anything, you know, yet to make us go to four. Uh, right now, it's still like we're again. We're going to need, uh, you know, Chiefs plus three and a half. Sure, but nothing sharp enough yet that from our screens that's told us we need to move to four yet. Would it shock me if we moved to four? Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Come tomorrow. Hey, Seamus, we were discussing home field advantage. Like, for example, if this Ravens game was going to be played at Arrowhead and the Chiefs were hosting them, how different this spread would be. You know, considering Mahomes' success in the postseason 
and what the Chiefs have been historically with him as their starting quarterback. Are there are there home field advantages in the postseason that you will weigh out differently as a result of, I don't know, the volume of the crowd, the decibel level, how well the team plays at home, or is it pretty much standard one and a half points? I'm of the opinion that not all home adva- all home field advantages created equal. Mm. Uh, like, I think going to Arrowhead is a much bigger home field advantage than, you know, the Rams hosting in mm. L.A., depending on where the team, because you got to factor in travel, of course. But, like, if you remember when the Rams were hosting the Niners in the NFC Championship a couple of years back, you could hardly even call that a home field advantage. It was mm. practically a Niners home game. Um, but, I mean, some of these teams, like Green Bay, absolute home field advantage. Um, but, you know, some of these dome teams were, you know, the, or Florida teams, or maybe some other fans will come down. Uh, you know, I think other teams have much larger home field advantages. Is that a surprise to you at all, Seamus, that you're saying we're going to need the Niners to cover seven or <laughs> seven and a half? <laughs> Does that stand out to you as a bit odd in this spot, relatively speaking? Like I'd say yes, but this playoffs has been a little weird where yeah. you get these public dogs where everyone just falls in love with everyone who's on the Texans last week, for example. So it doesn't really shock me, I mean, especially with the way we get uh, bet in Michigan uh, and needing uh, yeah, anyone who plays the Lions. So it doesn't shock me all that much. Is it weird, Seamus? I was looking at some um, you know, advanced lines for the Super Bowl, and I was surprised. I guess maybe not surprised when I dug into a little bit more, but it was eye-opening to me that – the Niners would still be a, 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 I would call it maybe a one or a two-point favorite um, in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. And the reason why I was surprised by that is because I think since that game where the Ravens were about a touchdown dog, um, we've seen a lot of improvement, I think, with Baltimore. And I would say maybe a little decrease with the Niners. Obviously, this would be a neutral site game. But maybe it's not a neutral site game if the Niners play in Vegas, right, Seamus? Would you give, and I'm hearing some pros here in town, maybe a half a point or even a full point to the Niners for home field in the Super Bowl, considering it's in Vegas. That's not a bad shout at all. I mean, you should see the tickets we have on the Niners in Vegas uh, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, It's definitely a thing I I, I would agree with, uh, because personally I would would have this lined up at a pick-em if they met neutral field, but I think it's a really good point. I think it's going to be a ton of Niners fans there if it is Niners-Ravens or even Niners-Chiefs. Yeah. Hey, Seamus, uh, when when you think about AFC-NFC championship game, you don't necessarily think about the props the same way you would for a Super Bowl. Like, obviously, there's a two-week respite. So I think, you know, odds makers and books make – like, you can have a lot more fun developing. But are there fun championship game props that may or may not be available since there's only two games playing the NFL that people can bet on – this week as opposed to other weeks in the postseason or the regular season? I mean, week to week, we got a, we got a bunch of props you can bet on here at BetMGM. Like, I think you, you know, with us, you can bet on a, you know, a punt to be returned anytime. Any special teams touchdown, for example. As the question we get to the Super Bowl, people really dig into the, uh, you know, the more fun props that, you know, you'll see them in the Super Bowl, of course, and, you know, we have a bunch of other novelty props that'll be offered there but even the regular season we have a bunch of fun props you can bet on that really start to get popular the closer we get to the super bowl okay seamus we need to know the seamus special for the weekend you going football or college hoops on us 
I think we already know the answer to that, Jerry. Um, <laughs> the, the Kansas Jayhawks are a pretty overrated basketball team. In my oh, oh, okay. And uh, I think Iowa State's going to cover four and a half points today. Ooh, All fame right. rock chalk. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I can see it, right? They forced a ton of turnovers. 100%. You know, I look at that line, you, you, you wouldn't think the Jayhawks would be getting four and a half on yeah. in, in any game. So I think the line speaks for itself. Love okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate that, Seamus. Hey, man, enjoy the rest of the day and the weekend. We'll catch you soon, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. There he is, Seamus McGee, team lead of sports trading at BetMGM. We go from heavy hitter to heavy hitter. Huh? We This is like murderer's row over here. It's like, uh, I don't know if I should say Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts if you're a non 27 Yankees. Twenty. There you go. Twenty-seven yeah, there you go. Yankees. We go from Seamus to Isaac Lowenkron Ilo with the latest. Ah, yes, the twenty-seven Yankees. Thank you very much, Miller Huggins, if you will. We will start with. <laughs> <laughs> we will start with fresh news out of the NFL because NFL media reports the Chicago Bears have hired Buffalo Bills defensive line coach Eric Washington as their new defensive coordinator. Washington previously spent two seasons as the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator under Ron Rivera in 2018 and 2019. He was the Panthers defensive line coach when they went to the Super Bowl after the 2015 season. In the NBA on Friday night, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks scored 70 three points in their 148-143 win at Atlanta, tying Will Chamberlain and David Thompson for the fourth highest scoring game in NBA history. Also Friday night, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns scored 62 points in a 133-131 loss at Indiana. It was the fifth time in NBA history that two players have scored 60-plus on the same day. Two of the five happened this week, back on Monday, Joel Embiid of the Sixers had a 70-point game. Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves, a 62-point game. Cleveland won at Milwaukee, 112-100. to ESPN reports Doc Rivers expected to make his Milwaukee head coaching debut on Monday against Denver. Finally, fellas, back to the NFL. We're on the eve of the Lions facing the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. A tweet by former Lion offensive tackle Tyrell Crosby is making waves on social media. Crosby tweeted a picture of a tally he made from a team meeting back in 2018 following a loss to the Seahawks when he counted then-Lions head coach Matt Patricia dropping the F-bomb 374 times over the course of a 49-minute meeting, working out to 7.6 F-bombs per minute. Crosby (laughs) had, in quotes, within the first minute of the meeting, I knew it was worth tallying. (laughs) (laughs) Back to you guys. It's Kayshawn Booty-esque right there. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking, too. You break it down per minute, it's like, you can get there. Right, yeah, seven seven and change. There you go. You got to yeah. beef it up a little bit there yeah. next time, Patricia. Yeah. Get the 24 minute. Wow. It is Fox breathe. Sports Radio's uh, countdown to kickoff presented by BetMGM. Once a day, play BetMGM's free-to-play 8-bit Barry for a chance to win daily prizes. Play as Hall of Famer Barry Sanders and choose to spin, stiff arm, or juke your way to the end zone to win prizes. If Barry scores a touchdown, you score a reward. I love that Patricia's just trying to emphasize whatever point it is. It's and awesome. there's a lineman just documenting up. Oh, no, that's F-bomb. awesome. 
<laughs> um, how about another Lions offensive lineman? This is crazy to me. This is life in the NFL as an O-lineman. Rich, you can speak to this. Frank Ragnow, Lions center, shout out. He's dealing with ankle, toe, knee, and back injuries. He's not even listed on the injury report. <laughs> He's not even questionable. He's full go with all that stuff to deal with. It's like with. the song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's one of those positions. He's a center for the Lions, for those who don't know. Um, it's one of those positions where, like, you, you absolutely cannot have him hurt. So no. he's just not, you know. And uh, I saw the two plays that specifically occurred last week in the divisional round. He got rolled up on his ankle, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. He, He's gonna. He he may not finish this game. He went into the blue tent on the sideline. He was in the very next series, <laughs> of course. And he then was. in the second half, they rolled up on his knee, and it looked like an MCL. Mm. But he was able to get to his feet and sort of test it out on the field, and he stayed on the field. So that's one tough dude. And as a result of the win, I believe there was huge contributions made to his. Uh, to his charity, which, yeah. uh, you know, that that was really a cool side storyline to the whole thing. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with Frank. If you got an opportunity to play an NFC championship game, I mean, you could go ahead and saw my leg off before I'm going to be on the bench. That's that's awesome, though, that he's doing it. Yeah, he's yeah. going to play how, how well he plays, how effective he'll be. That That's a tough question to ask. Um, the big issue is his the guy to his left, Jonah Jackson, the left guard, yeah. is also out. Yeah. Right. And his replacement, Coyote Owosika, I have him in my notes as a, quote, liability based off the numbers that I was looking at. That's literally the only line I have for him. Um, and the problem here is I, the, the Lions have to run the ball. Yeah. The only reason the Packers were really in that game last week, they got a couple of breaks. They recovered a crazy fumble. Jordan Love made a couple of really nice throws, especially early in the game. Um there was a couple of slippy, a little slipper, slippy moments there. The Niners had the wrong cleats on. A big 40-yard play to Dobbs where Ward just, like, fell down. And Aaron Jones ripped off some really nice runs. Like, that was kind of the heartbeat. So, if the Lions' offensive line's banged up and they can't get the running game going, whew, I don't know what the path is in this one, guys. Well, and that's the other part is you got to run the ball effectively. That's obvious, like what Jared is saying right there. But also, we know Goff struggles with pressure yeah so if you're able to get that interior pass rush cranked up for the 49ers that that could be bad too <laughs> it could be very bad for Detroit as well so yeah Frank Ragnow he's gonna go and he'll probably play well right but no Jonah Jackson as Jaron pointed out it's a big deal like we'll get to Joe Tooney being out how about that we're That's speaking language too. over yeah. here Ornberger you know yeah we got guards out here what it means well we'll get to that Chiefs matchup against the Ravens at the top of the hour. We've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American, NFL veteran. We've got a Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No Coming up next, before the AFC title game breakdown, little prop it up, huh? So many prop bet opportunities. We'll compare notes, give you a few picks. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Be sure to check out the new-looking features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's teasers, live betting, the Daily Lions Boost, or the Cash Out feature. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly 
and additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com and use code COUNTDOWN. All right, let's do this. Prop it up. Let's go play. Player plays. All right, Jared Smith, we'll start with you, man. Prop bets. What do you like? Well, guys, knowledge is power. In this case, we're going to talk about power run concepts for the Baltimore Ravens and why I think that is the key to success against the Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Well, the Ravens run more power run concepts than any other team or most teams in the NFL. The Chiefs aren't very good at stopping it, one of the worst that success rates allowed. So how do we attack that in the props market? Well, rushing attempts for who? Who else? Lamar Jackson, over 10.5. Or Gus Edwards, over 10.5. Both guys kind of line right around the same. And again, I think if you just look at game script, we think the Ravens are going to have the lead. We think the running game is going to be a big factor. We think weather could be a factor as well. All of that leads to running it. And oh, by the way, the success rates say the Ravens will have success in this scheme, running the ball against the Chiefs defense. Over 10 and a half rushing attempts for both or and or pick your poison. Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards. All right. Um, I like uh, where you're at with the the rushing stats with the Ravens against that Chiefs rush defense. So I'm going to take Lamar Jackson going over 65 and a half rushing yards in this game. All it takes is one explosive play and he could get near or frankly, maybe even over the rushing total in one full swoop. So I I look at Lamar Jackson going over that rushing total. And then Brock Purdy on the other side, two quarterbacks, two different ways that you can win on props. I have over 280 and a half passing yards against a very weak Detroit Lions secondary when you have four receivers on the field. And really, you don't even need four receivers. You could have three receivers and your pass-catching tight end, George Kittle, and it puts the Lions in a bind. Are you going to go big people and try to protect against the run? It doesn't feel like you can. You're going to have to add a defensive back to the equation, and I don't think they're going to be able to cover everybody. So I got Purdy going over the 280-and-a-half. Yeah, it's interesting, Rich. Circling back to Lamar, I don't know how you guys feel, but sometimes... I hate being reactionary from like what happened last week, but I, you have to guard against that sometimes when the matchup favors you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where the Chiefs haven't done a very good job limiting rushing quarterbacks. They didn't do a great job against Josh Allen last week. And if you're playing man coverage and your eyes aren't on Lamar, it, I, you know, I, I can... See him getting the over 64 and a half again, right? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about that because he rushed for 100 last week. I love it. And my default is like, ah, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't want to run it back. But if the matchup favors you, run it back. <laughs> he sometimes might it's again. so square, it's sharp. Yep. The yep. opposite of right. what you said last time, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it does work like that. Um, I'm going with Brandon Ayuk. I just think 76 and a half receiving yards. It's a high number, but I think with good reason. I'm going to take the over on that one. If he's matched up on Cameron Sutton, which he will be throughout a good portion of the game, that's advantage Brandon Ayuk all day. Sutton has had a lot of struggles. And you're talking about potentially one deep ball, and we're more than halfway home. And I could easily see that happening. So I think Brandon Ayuk is the guy to target here and you know all these can go wrong uh, you could target 
uh, Debo is a little healthier, or Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, or George Kittle has a day. Like, this could backfire where Ayuk still has a day and ends up with, like, 75 yards and a touchdown, and it's like, man, what a game. And it, yeah, he went under. <laughs> but I, I do think that he is going to surpass that. It's just that, that secondary is too weak, I think, for him not to. Yeah. How about this one based off of that handicap? And this is a special conference championship special. Brandon Ayuk's actually the favorite to have the most receiving yards of any player this weekend. Plus 250 over at BetMGM. So that kind of leads you down that road, Brian. Like, I I think it's going to be somebody on this Niners offense that's going to have a big game. And if it is Brandon Ayuk, the books think he's going to lead the NFL or lead the whole group in receiving yards this weekend. That's pretty interesting right there. I might have to dabble. There you go. All right, coming up next. This team will have to play Goldilocks defense. Ah, yes. What is going on? Happy Championship Sunday Eve as we get you all set for both matchups here. Let's dive head first into this Chiefs-Ravens AFC title game. I think that the Chiefs are going to have to play what I call Goldilocks defense. Okay? Where if you're rushing Lamar Jackson, okay, You can't run past him or you're going to create rushing lanes for him to step up and just dice you up that way. And then also, if you're rushing too shallow, you're going to create outside rushing lanes for Lamar. So it can't be too shallow. It can't be overly aggressive. It's got to be just right against Lamar because we know what a threat he is with his legs. I think that's going to be a big, big deal for the Chiefs defensively. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. The reality of the situation is the Chiefs are going to have to commit five players most of the time, if not more, to the line of scrimmage, four rushers, and a spy in order to try to contain him and do exactly what you said. You know, many times it's described as bottling up a mobile quarterback by defensive line coaches, defensive coordinators. The goal is to not allow him to do what he's most productive doing, which is improvising, extending plays, or finding a run lane and hurting your defense that way, especially when you're in zone concepts and things of that nature, it can really screw you up. So it's it's tricky because the unfortunate reality for the Chiefs, as talented of a roster as they have, there's not a single player on that team who you could stick a scout team quarterback and replicate what Lamar Jackson does. And that's the problem for every team preparing for the Baltimore Ravens. How do you prepare for the, the most unique player in the NFL? The unfortunate answer is you can't. You just have to come up with a strategy, apply it, be disciplined in that strategy, and hope to God it works. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of uh, good options, I think, for the Chiefs defense here in this spot. Big one is the big injury to keep an eye on is Willie Gay the weak side linebacker, who is one of their best run defenders. And he hurt his neck and was injured last week against the uh, the Bills. I think he'll play kind of like Ragnow. Like, we don't know how, like Debo, we don't know how effective he'll be after that, you know, initial offensive line wave of, of hits, right? We'll see how that neck's feeling after a quarter or two. Um, but if he can't go, or again, less than 100%, like it just, it just makes things so much harder to have to put another guy in there to try to spy Lamar Jackson. Like I, I think, based off of how the Chiefs scheme was going to play out, that Gay was going to kind of spy Jackson for this game. Um, and we'll see how, how that plays out. I, I trust Steve Spagnuolo. He's as good as anyone 
at scheming this kind of stuff. But I don't know if he has the chess pieces in this matchup to really match up against the Ravens. And then you talk about just the attrition nature of this sport. The Ravens had an extra day, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but Rich, an extra 24 hours to heal those battered and bruised bodies, I I think it does matter. And then you throw in the fact that the Chiefs had to play the Dolphins two weeks ago in frigid conditions. They did get the rest in Week 18, which was huge. But down the stretch of the season, it was a grind. I mean, an absolute grind. Whereas the Ravens had the bye. They had a second half, basically, to coast last week. I think the physical nature of this game and how much the Ravens want to play bully ball, the status of each team's physical bodies, I think, is a factor here. Whereas the Ravens are one week healthier, I think, and definitely a day of of rest and rejuvenation compared to the Chiefs coming off that really physical game against the Bills. Yeah, to me, defensively, it's about the Chiefs' rush defense. I'm not worried about their pass defense. Uh, they were really strong against Josh Allen last week. Josh Allen with only a buck 86 through the air, and it was just check down after check down after check down. There just wasn't a lot available. And so we know Lamar is not, you know, upper echelon passing quarterback. I'm not telling you he can't pass at all, but he's not upper echelon. So if the Chiefs can hold the Ravens in check running the ball, they've got a real shot. But that's obviously easier said than done, building off of everything that Jared just told you. How about this also? If you look at Mahomes, the opposing quarterback, his postseason numbers are ridiculous. This guy, he's got – now, this is 16 games, right? So almost a full NFL season. So he's 13-3. and This is all playoff numbers. 4,500-plus passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. His passer rating in the playoffs alone, 106.7. These are all playoff games. These are the best of the best teams, and he's putting up just nasty numbers. He's got two touchdown passes at a minimum in seven of the last eight playoff games he's played. So if anybody can do something and pull the rabbit out of the hat, it's Mahomes. The question Mm. is, will his rush defense do enough in this one? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and to tag along with what both of you were saying, 100% accurate, Jared, on the, the, the war that the Kansas City Chiefs were coming off of. It is difficult to recover from any game. You know, ask any player how they feel on Monday compared to Tuesday after mm. a Sunday game. Ask them how they feel on Wednesday compared to, to to Tuesday. Ask them how they feel on Thursday. Like, the further out you get from the violence and the physicality of any game, uh, the better you feel. And, you know, the fact that the Buffalo Bills are such a physical team and the Chiefs had to play two games compared to the Baltimore Ravens really if you think about it they've only played one game in the postseason and they didn't put a lot of their starters on the field the final game of the regular season because their fate was sealed um they 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 are more rested now getting to what you said Bino like you you look at you look at this you look at this postseason uh record that Mahomes has you put it up against Lamar Jackson's. Very different stories. 
you know, Mahomes, yeah, he's got a big arm and he's a great improviser and he'll get you some yards with his legs when he absolutely needs to. He's a good enough athlete to do that. He could throw from every platform. He's intangibly a great quarterback, but he has that clutch gene that was so important to a quarterback like Tom Brady's success or Peyton Manning's success. Big moments call for big plays, and there's certain quarterbacks who can make those big plays, and there's certain quarterbacks that can't. Lamar Jackson still to this point in his career has not won an AFC championship game, and there's a reason for that. It's because he's only been able to win one in the postseason so far, and that's only been one time. And guess what happened in that second game after winning in the wild card round? He absolutely stunk the next outing. So we'll see what happens here. I'm not completely sold on Lamar Jackson, the postseason performer yet, and this is a good Chiefs defense, and – they, they may be coming off that physical matchup, and, and they may have some defensive liabilities against the rush. But, but again, big players make big plays and big moments. And Lamar Jackson, that's been the one knock against him his whole career. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's hard to, to you know, look at the two quarterbacks and put them on the same plane in terms of their you know, ability to win playoff games. I think it's obvious Mahomes has the edge there. It's just this is, this is a tough spot. This is, I think, we're going to see if, if Patrick Mahomes goes into Baltimore tomorrow and pulls out this win, like, unlike the prior years where I think the Chiefs had an edge in all these games with their offense, their scheme, they don't have an edge in this game. The edge is very minimal. The only edge that I see in terms of matchups, the Chiefs who run inside zone a lot, the Ravens give up some big plays to inside zone. And if the Chiefs do a good job in in uh, throwing it from their heavy personnel, that's something that the Ravens have been susceptible to. But the Chiefs don't throw a lot out of 12 personnel with two tight ends. Like, it's just not what they do, right? The Chiefs don't run a lot of inside zone with Pacheco. Like, it's just not their bread and butter. The matchups in this game don't favor Kansas City. That doesn't mean Mahomes can't pull a rabbit out of his hat because these games can get fluky and weird. But if you just want to talk straight X's and O's, the Ravens, what they do best against the Chiefs, what they do best, all of the matchups favor Baltimore here. The physicality, the power run concepts, the war of attrition, the only matchup edge, and I wouldn't even call it a matchup edge, the only advantage the Chiefs have in this game, they have Patrick Mahomes and the Ravens don't. Like, And I know that sounds crazy when we're handicapping a football game where there's 11 players on the field, you know, 22 offense, defense, and we're talking about one guy. But that's how important the quarterback position is, obviously, in the NFL. The Ravens don't have the great equalizer. But 21 out of 22 guys, I mean, the Ravens have the edge here. It's just, it's, it's a matter of can Mahomes pull out some magic. Well, I also think that, and the playoffs have shown us this, uh, as every year does, many playoff games are lost not just sure. one, right? And so when you're looking at the X's and O's and you're looking at matchups and who's got the favorable matchup, that's all well and good, and that might be the difference in the game. But what can also determine the difference is a team just screwing up. And, and look at last week. Tyler Bass missed a game-tying field goal for the Bills. Wide right, right? If you look at that Packers game, Anders Carlson missed a kick. That would have put him up by seven points late in the game. He missed it. And then Jordan Love with, I don't know what the hell the guy was doing, throwing late across the middle of the field. uh, That was brutal. Weird end to that game. Right. So it gets me thinking, which team, which player is most likely to potentially lose the game, not just win it? 
right? So you start doing that exercise, and it's like, is it Mahomes? Probably not, <laughs> you know? Is it Goff? Maybe. Is it Lamar? Like, like for context, think about this. Lamar in the postseason, five touchdown passes, five interceptions. His passer rating is 75.7 in the postseason. For context, that's lower than the passer ratings of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson this past <laughs> season. Okay? So I hear you, Jared. The matchups favor the Ravens. But when I start opening the door of, hey, if a game is lost – who might lose it? And some of that stuff is completely unpredictable. It's the punt returner who muffs a punt and that changes the game. Right? There's some stuff that's going to be unforeseen. But I'm, I'm like Rich, man. I'm still not convinced that we've seen Lamar. Like one win against the Texans, that's all well and good. And he was spectacular last week. But this is a different defense and a different test. And the resume, it leaves something to be desired in the postseason. So I'm just leaving that possibility open here. Well, look, I think I'm here, you know, for for a couple reasons, but maybe the most important reason as a former football player and having played in the postseason to, to lend you guys the perspective of that experience and and how it can it can really have an effect on people and their their ability to perform. You know, the more practiced you are at playing in big games, the more routine it becomes. For Lamar Jackson, this is the biggest moment of his career. Oh, yeah. For Patrick Mahomes, this is what Patrick Mahomes does. Playing in an AFC championship game, I think a lot of people are really overrating the fact that he's playing his first AFC championship game on the road. He's lived in the postseason. It's like Bane from Batman. <laughs> he was born of this. He knows nothing but this. He, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't seen anything but postseason. So he is the most low heartbeat operator left in the field. I mean, it, you could compare it to guys who've even played longer in the league than Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff. I mean, there's not a single quarterback left in the field that has more postseason uh, uh, experience. And then you look at his coach, Andy Reid. I mean, none of this, nothing is going to surprise him. So I, I just look at this from the standpoint of the emotional tax that that playing in a in a heightened environment where you have this reality and this pressing um, emotion that I've got to do, make the play, I've got to make the play. You know, Patrick Mahomes has been through this. He knows what it feels to lose these games. He knows what it feels to win these games. He knows what, um, you know, energy conservation you need to put into this. I, and I'm not saying Lamar Jackson won't win and the Ravens won't win and John Harbaugh isn't a talented postseason coach. You know, all of that. Uh, it yet, is yet to be determined. Really, John Harbaugh has his success in the postseason. But, but in terms of what the outcomes will be, we don't know yet. But I can tell you from experience, the postseason is a completely different animal. Your energy level is a completely different level. And when you, when you have more experience in those games, more experience in those moments, you tend to perform looser. You have an easier time handle the, those stressors. And it's like anything else. It's, it's, the more experience you have, the easier, it, at least the easier it feels it is. It doesn't mean that this is going to be an easy game for the Chiefs. It just feels easier because it's a hill they've climbed before. You think darkness is your ally. 
<laughs> you were merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. That's such a great Bane quote. Very yeah. underrated uh, villain in uh, superhero movie lore. Um, I thought uh, that was one of my favorite uh, Christopher Nolan uh, flicks there. Um, all right, uh, to go off topic, I, I think this game's going to be kind of played out like a Hollywood script. You've got the team. I, I mean, let's just call it what it is, guys. The Ravens are the best team in the NFL. They've been the best team in the NFL this season. Every time they've managed up in class, they have smacked those opponents down. That doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. The Patriots were the best team in NFL history until they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. But it's obvious to me that you have the best team in the NFL, the Ravens, against the best player, Patrick Mahomes. How that works out, that's why they have a point spread. That's why they play. Um, I think it's obvious based off of my handicap that I like the Ravens in this spot, especially at three and a half. I think this is one of the cases where the best team matters because of the factors that we talked about, the injuries up front, especially to Joe Tooney, who we haven't talked about yet, probably the best run-blocking guard in the league, maybe top five on that list. Um, And, of course, on the other side, you've got some defensive injuries for the Chiefs that might hinder them in stopping the run, which is what the Ravens do best. I don't know how it's going to play out on the field. Mahomes will probably have a moment or two where he can steal this game. But we haven't talked a lot about the Ravens' defense. A lot of the attraction goes towards Lamar and the offenses. But this Ravens' defense is historic as well. So if there was one defense that was properly equipped to keep Patrick Mahomes from stealing this game, maybe the Ravens are that one defense that can kind of hem him in enough to uh, keep them off balance. But this is going to be, obviously, it's the shorter of the two spreads. It's going to be a fantastic game. Um, I think the Ravens have a little bit too much physicality here, and I think it could get out of hand late if the bully mentality comes into full effect, just like the Ravens-Texans game did last week. But, man, I'm not counting out Patrick Mahomes. I, I just, you just can't do it. Uh, Mark Andrews is back. The Ravens tight end missed seven straight games with an ankle injury. So that could be a big deal. Sure. When you have Andrews and Isaiah likely, that's a nasty one-two combo right there. And then how about this? Travis Kelsey, he needs seven catches to pass Jerry Rice for the most in postseason history. That's He's going to struggle against Kyle Hamilton in this game, I think. Uh, we'll see. Hey, shout out Irish. You know, I can't say anything about my guy <laughs> Kyle Hamilton right there. He's very good, but that's a pretty crazy company where he's seven catches away from surpassing Jerry Rice for the most catches in postseason history. So that's the thing. It's it's not just the Mahomes thing. Mahomes has 13 wins in the playoffs. That's more than 12 NFL franchises That's have. insane. It's crazy. It's more than the Saints have. It's more than the Bengals have in their freaking history, right? But it's not just a Mahomes number. Travis Kelsey's been around for all that stuff, too. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if experience makes a big difference in a game like this. All right, we've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American, Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, a debate so heated, we might not be friends afterwards. (laughs) And there is nothing dramatic about that at all. This is true. This is a knockdown. Are drag we friends now? Making. Can we confirm you that and I before know. we start the segment? Me and Rich, yes. Okay, no, fair enough. It <laughs> is Fox Sports Radio's <laughs> Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare it is fox sports radio's countdown to kickoff presented by bet mgm so on the text thread that we share for this show on Saturdays, uh, it made my heart sink. <laughs> made my heart sink after the Chiefs-Bills game last week where there's word, according to Jeremy Fowler, he put out a, a tweet on X. He wrote, good chance the touchback rule for fumbling through the end zone will be changed this offseason. Oh, boy. Momentum behind NFL correcting it. Interesting wording right there. Correcting a brain-dead ruling. I'm not editorializing right there. Um, Penalty considered by many to be too harsh. And on the text thread, we mentioned this, and Rich was like, I actually like it. Actually, no. I, I, I take it back. I saw a tweet from our guy, Rich O. And was like, uh, you know, unpopular stance of mine. I like the touchback rule. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. here we. Now, here's the thing, Rich. Yeah, go ahead. Let me just say a couple of things. <laughs> because Jeremy Fowler, his tweet, there was a, a comment right underneath, underneath it. This might be your burner. I'm not sure, Rich. It said, <laughs> <laughs> why? Please don't. Don't reward someone who fumbles. It's like, no. Don't reward a team who doesn't recover the fumble. Remember when Josh Allen fumbled last week around midfield? It was late in the game, and Josh Allen fumbled the ball. And it was just rolling around right there. Chiefs tried to scoop it. Uh, who got possession of that ball? Do you guys remember? Wh- who got possession of the ball when yeah. who fumbled it? Sorry. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, quarterback uh. Bills, fumbled around midfield. Chiefs tried to scoop it up. I know you're getting your, your notes ready for your crazy argument about a stupid rule. but Well, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember who scooped it No up. one recovered it, right? It went out of bounds. Didn't someone hit it out of bounds and it was a penalty or something? No, I think that was I think that was the other one, but I, I'm not sure. But the Bills retained possession because yeah. the Chiefs didn't recover the fumble. Oh, okay, okay, okay? Yes. I that's remember the why they that's didn't right. get. Yes, exactly. It rings a bell now. Yeah, I, it's just it's way too harsh. It's never made any sense. It never will. It's like if I steal a candy bar, I should get punished. I shouldn't go to jail for three years. Okay, that, that's what fumbling <laughs> through the end zone is. You get charity. You get the ball and you get it at the twenty. It's never made any sense. You are penalized for gaining more yards. 
the closer you get to the end zone, the more risk you are at the other team being rewarded with something they never earned. It's so stupid. I freaking hate it. I won't <laughs> well, go as far as to say I hate the people who support this, but it's close. I mean, oh, I, boy. <laughs> I, I do love the rule, and I'll tell you why. I love it because it makes the end zone even more consequential than it already is. Obviously, all these rules are just made up. You know what I mean? If you really think about it, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but like if you think about it, all these rules, they're just ideas that people once had implemented, liked, and so they stuck. And that's all football is. It's just a conglomeration of rules that sort of make sense together, some more than others. And and you pile them up and you have what, what we have is now the most popular game in this country. And I like this rule because it makes it makes the painted area – of the 52 and a half or whatever the width of the field is, plus the 10 yards depth, so much more consequential, not just for the offense in terms of positive, but for the offense in terms of negative. So that, But, 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 but Rich, why yeah. don't we make field goals worth seven points? It'd be way more consequential. You know what I mean? Like, well, just because it's more consequential doesn't mean it makes any sense. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not debating for a second that you can you can institute rule changes to make the game more consequential and it would make the game worse this is a game this is a play that makes sense in terms of the rules of the game because as we know on a kickoff a kickoff is considered a free ball and if it goes out the back of the end zone or out the end zone in any fashion it's a touchback and so it makes sense when you're defending an end zone. If there's a fumble that goes out the back of the end zone, it should be a touchback for the team on defense. So in terms of like just changing a rule to make an area of the field or an aspect of the game more consequential, I agree with you, Brian. That may not make the game better. But in this case, this rule makes sense. This rule makes the game more critical, especially in the low red zone, as if you needed more impact than a seven or a six-point swing if you allow a team to score. For the offense, all of a sudden it puts onus on them. It's like, okay, so not only are we trying to get this ball past this magical plane into this magical area so that we can take a points benefit, but also we got to be super protective, especially near the sideline or in general in the end zone, because if we do lose possession of this football, it could be so consequential for, to the outcome of this game because we could take the potential or perceived six points we could have scored and then not only not get that six points, but put the ball in the hands of our opponent with only 75 yards left to go to get to their end zone. It's it's a beautiful thing. I think it makes the game more exciting near the goal line. And and it just I, I, I understand the ardent defense of the rule. I also understand how many fans have been burned because of yeah, this rule. There it is. And that's the reason why people argue against it so 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 uh so uh, uh emotionally. Yeah, my guess is the Chiefs fans think it's the dumbest rule ever, whereas the Bills fans are like, this rule's awesome. I love this rule. Saved our chances for another few minutes until you, you missed the field goal. Um, I was listening very intently to both of your answers because I, you know, to peek, give you a peek behind the curtain, when we were talking about this segment in our group chat this week, I, I specifically withheld my opinion to raise the level of tension and excitement for this segment. Um, Let's just leave it at this. 
This is an impossible rule to give one answer on. This rule is layered. The pros of this rule, I agree with you, Rich. It, 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 it heightens the awareness and the importance of the goal line. It penalizes the offensive team for fumbling. Like, I think those are positive things. Like, you shouldn't be, you know, you should be penalized when you fumble the football. But logic says, why does it go out to the 20, right? Like, you can't advance a fumble on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, you can advance a fumble. Like, guy fumbles at the one-yard line on the goal line, it gets advanced out to the 20. And I know that's because it's a touchback, but you kind of get hamstrung by these, like, conflicting rules. Logic says you can't advance a fumble, and logic says you got to recover a fumble for the team. So, like, it kind of goes against a couple of logical points. The, the final assessment I made here was possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? I, <laughs> I feel comfortable about that. But... Who does the end zone belong to? I think it's the defense, right? Like, the end zone is the defensive, you know, protection. You are protecting the end zone. So the fact that the ball goes into the end zone and is technically recovered by the end zone, if the end zone belongs to the defense, I think the rule kind of does in a weird way make sense. But I don't like the advancement. You should, fumble, you should get possession where the ball was fumbled. But I'm okay with the defense keeping possession. I need a break. <laughs> I just have one more thing to add, but I need a, a respite over here. Okay. And uh, Isaac Lowenkron is who I have on Brian's speed dial. Brian's about to dial. lose his mind. Okay. I have Isaac Lowenkron. He's my phone a friend. <laughs> uh, please take it away here, Ilo. Uh, glad to be there for you. We will start with some NFL news on this Saturday. NFL media reporting that the Chicago Bears have hired Buffalo Bills defensive line coach Eric Washington as their new defensive coordinator. No respite from offense in the NBA because on Friday night, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks scored 73 points in their 148-143 to win at Atlanta, tying Wilt Chamberlain and David Thompson for the fourth highest scoring game in NBA history. Also Friday night, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns scored 62 points in a 133-131 loss at Indiana. So it was the fifth time in NBA history that two players have scored 60-plus on the same day. Two of those five happened this week. Back on Monday, Joel Embiid had a 70-point game and Carl Anthony Towns a 62-point game. Also Friday night, Cleveland won at Milwaukee 112-100. to The Cavs have won 9 of 10. ESPN reporting that Doc Rivers is expected to make his Milwaukee head coaching debut on Monday against Denver. Sorry, Brian. Respite's over. Hope it worked. Back to you. <laughs> it definitely didn't. It definitely We're still it, here. It helped. It, it helped a little bit. Absolutely, as it always does, Isaac Lowenkron. Thank you. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. If you missed anything on today's show, be sure to check it out. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Be also sure to follow, rate, and review that bad boy. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see the show posted right after we get off the air. Here's the thing. <laughs> For anybody who says, it makes a little bit of No. It makes no sense. If I fumble, or uh, let's take myself out of this. If a team fumbles out of bounds at the one, it's their ball at the one. Yeah. If they fumble through the end zone, 
It's the other team's ball at the 20. I agree with that. You should bring it back to the one-yard line. You shouldn't be able to advance a fumble. Okay. That's just crazy to me. It's crazy not only the advancement, but just giving the team the ball when they never recovered it. And here's the thing. Sometimes we just get used to stuff in life where it's been that way for ever since you can remember. And even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you're used to it, and it seems to make more sense in some sort of weird way. So what if the NFL did this? We always talk about changing the rule where we do away with the other team gets possession or they get it at the 20. What if the NFL took the current rule and just extended it? They just ran with it even more. And they said, you know what? Not just fumbles through the end zone. All fumbles in the red zone that go out of bounds, other teams ball at the 20. If you fumble at the opponent's 15-yard line, it's your opponent's ball at the 20. Like, what would you think about them extending this rule even more? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, what, what would be the counter to that? I just think the point is you get used to stuff being the way they are. And I think a lot of people are used to the rule being the way it is, the people who support it. It just doesn't make any sense. I, well, it, it does, again, when you relay it back to kickoffs, where a free ball going out the end zone is a touchback. So that's the reason why it but, happens. But not for the other team. Well, no, it is for the other team. Yeah, because, the team that kicked off yeah. doesn't get possession. Exactly. It's right. for the defense. So when you kick off, you're in possession of the football, and then the defense is waiting to re- return. That ball is free, and it's given to the defense at the 25-yard line if the ball goes out the back of the end zone the same way it would that the defense is rewarded with the touchback when a free ball goes out the end zone. Same thing with a punt. Yep, exactly. And so, No, it's not the same thing because like, you're gonna, the only way you can get the ball as the kicking team is if you recover it. That's the only way you can get it. It's not the same thing. As the kicking team, right. But we're not talking about the kicking team. We're, we're talking, talking about the, the defense. Team. We're talking about the re- returning right. team. So They're technically the defense on that play. They exactly. don't have the ball. Exactly. The ball starts with the kicking team. So anyways, the rule does make sense. No, and for any, anybody who thinks it doesn't, it, it just – there is no convincing you then, Brian. But no, there I will, isn't. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. I understand how it's a frustrating rule. Yes. I understand how, and I'll even apply it to a rule change that I don't necessarily think is for the best for the NFL. Like, for example, a spot foul on a pass interference play. I mean, it feels at times to be way, way overly punitive to the defense. You know, I there have been changes made to the NFL over the years that, you know, and whatever they're trying to hide it as competitive disadvantage for one side or the other that needs to be rectified or player safety. There have been a lot of rule changes that have severely affected the game. And I don't know if this is necessarily one of them. But I know that I'm in support of it because the end zone has been told me, told or has been taught to me to be this magical area of the field where so many good things can happen for the <laughs> offense. For there only to be really one major, yeah. and it is major, major negative that can occur to you offensively down in that area of the field. That for only one, and it only comes up, what, maybe a handful of times a year, I think there's way too much emphasis on how this rule is so outdated or needs to be changed or it's a, you know, a revision. Like, it, it's 
I think it makes the game more exciting that there is something punitive that can happen to the offense in the area of the field that's supposed to benefit benefit them so greatly. Yeah, I'm not against your stance on it, Brian. Like, I, 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 it's fine. You don't like the rule. There's a lot of rules that I don't like about a lot of things. I don't like broccoli. It's, it's not going to eat it, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think the rule is in place because of historical things that you know came to be, and we're just stuck with it. But most of the rules do favor the offenses. This one favors the defense. And I, I think the, the reason that I'm, I'm in favor of it is, is because of the whole the end zone does belong to the defense. Now, they're going to change. Guys, they're going to change this rule. It's going to get changed. And what that will lead to is guys like Superman launching from the five-yard line now with no reward and with no risk of losing a fumble out of bounds into the end zone. So it's a weird rule. It's a quirky rule. It's one of those things that makes football, you know, intriguing. I, I'm, it's fine that you don't like it, Brian, but I, I understand a little bit, a little bit of logic behind it. The part that I don't like is that it's advanced. You shouldn't be able to advance a fumble. You're kind of hamstrung by the touchback rules there, but I, I understand why that, that takes place. You want the ball? Recover the ball. <laughs> the rules say you don't have to in this case, though. Yeah, and their rules make no freaking sense. And it's going to get the changed. Problem. It's going to oh, get changed. It's, it's, it's been long overdue. I can't wait. It's going to be a celebration <laughs> when they finally change that rule. We've got Rich Orenberger, Penn State All-American, supporter of the crazy touchback rule. Uh, we've got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. Kind of supporter, kind of yeah. not. of this. I like to be on the fence to give it ambiguity. That's the politics version. I'm Brian No, dead set against that rule. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Coming up next, we got a lot of picks for you. Three each. A bushel, if you will, of picks (laughs) for Championship Sunday. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, uh, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Props to the crew. Bo Benson, our trusted producer. Chris Perfett, technical producer, getting ready for the Lions. Isaac Lohenkron, crushing updates, crushing life. That's all he knows how to do. Coming up, up on game, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, Plaxico Burris. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. They'll have you covered from all angles with Championship Sunday right around the corner. All right, we've got some picks to make. Let's do it. Rapid fire. All right, Jared, what are you thinking here, man? Well, I was going back and forth if I wanted to do a a prop here or a total. I'm going to give you two sides, one for each game coming up. But the third pick I was kind of uh, up in the air about. So I'll give you a bet that I think if you make it today, by the time we get to kickoff tomorrow, you will have some CLV in your pocket. And that's the Lamar Jackson rushing prop to the over. Right now, BetMGM's dealing 65 and a half. Again, everyone's going to be betting this prop. I love it. It's a fantastic matchup. And I think the number will probably land around 70 or so. So if you bet over 65, five and a half now probably have a decent wager in your pocket because the prop market especially the star players usually gets bet up pretty high and of course i'm taking the ravens minus three and a half they've got the better defense i know patrick mahomes is the great equalizer but this is baltimore's year they are the better team and they will be playing in the super bowl in two weeks here in Vegas. all right so i'm gonna start with the 49ers detroit lions game because i have two bets on this one uh first i'm taking the lions getting seven points 
and in, uh, in San Francisco, or I should say Santa Clara, uh, because I, I I like the fact that as we get nearer and nearer to the Super Bowl, it feels like the competition is evening out, meaning that we're not seeing such wide blowout margins like we did in the Super Wild Card round. So I like the Lions getting seven points. I also like the point total at 52, taking the over there. The Lions, since the beginning of last season, have had 10 backdoor covers. So even if this looks like blowout central for the 49ers, the Lions have a way of sneaking back into games and just getting their numbers up. And I think that'll be the case. Even if I miss on the point spread, I think I'll hit on the total. Which brings us to this. This Kansas City Chiefs game, they're on the road for the first time in Mahomes' career in the AFC Championship game. But anytime you're giving Mahomes points, I'm going to take those points. Plus three and a half at BetMGM. I got the Chiefs getting points on the road in Baltimore. Okay. I am looking at the Chiefs-Ravens first half number. I'm going to take under 22 and a half. These are fantastic defenses. I think we might get a handful of field goals in the first half. I'll take under 22 and a half. Speaking of field goals, give me Harrison Butker. Oh, Chiefs kicker over one and a half field goals. Okay, I like that uh, number. We got a lot of ways to get there. First quarter field goal before halftime. Still a tight game late. I, I think he gets there. And I'm going to go parlay on you. Okay. Wow. Make sure you got your listening ears on. Brandon Ayuk. I'm going to take over four and a half catches. I'm going to take Iowa State, little college basketball on the money line. Wow. Yes. That's plus 150 right there. Wow. A little IUK and Cyclones action. (laughs) I love it. So I I think there's a good chance that hits. All right, we've got time for this. Let's do it. This is the best play of the day. It's a touchdown. Give it to me. All right, Jared, what is it, man? Sorry, Chris. Niners, big. Lay the seven. They're winning by two or three scores. Brock Purdy's going to be dancing his way to Vegas. Wow. Have fun. Good luck. Wow. Man. Sorry. Look at that Great red time. Chris. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> we are directly across from two each other, staring at each other. Purdy oh fan club? The touchback rule should stay Come on, forever. <laughs> <laughs> at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.